Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to the Wednesday, April 15th edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, Senior NFL Draft Analyst at TheDraftNetwork.com, USA Today's Managing Editor of DolphinsWire.com, lifelong Dolphins fan, and I am ready to get off the ride. I don't know about all of you, but I have the official pre-draft anxiety I am ready for it to come and go, especially considering how much is at stake for the Miami Dolphins, how much we have riding on next week, and what the future implications for this team are going to be. It's a lot to handle. It's a lot to think about, a lot to panic about if we choose to. I'm not going to choose to panic, but uh, I do feel like one appropriate place to start here today before we get into sleepers, day three sleepers that I would really love for the Dolphins. Mark Dominic, former NFL general manager, uh, was a part of a teleconference yesterday talking about the 2020 NFL draft. And Dominic had touched on the Miami Dolphins and effectively said uh, he was of the opinion that the Miami Dolphins would not need to trade up in the draft order to get their man at quarterback. And he went on to say he believes the Dolphins are going to draft to a Tunga Valoa, uh, indicating that nobody's going to jump the Dolphins, the Lions. You're starting to hear all this buzz and heat about the number three pick and how teams are, are really turning up the heat in negotiations with Detroit. And that may be true. But Mark Dominic. Uh, for his part, seems to think that it's not something that the Dolphins feel or, or need to consider an imminent situation, a team jumping up in front of them and, and prompting them uh, to settle on QB3 instead of their choice between QB2 and QB3, presuming, uh, as we all assume, Joe Burrow is their number one quarterback prospect in this year's draft, which will most likely be going to Cincinnati. That, that dream of a trade with Cincinnati all but dead, uh, it seems as though the Bengals are, are going to stand firm with the number one pick, never mind what it might cost Miami to get there anyway. So this would be the win for Miami. This has been, you know, we have explored a lot of hypotheticals on this show over the course of the past month or so. We've explored a lot of uh, possible avenues for the Dolphins to pursue. But one thing that I have genuinely felt and, and feel is best for this organization is that Miami should be staying put at five. Do not give up your early draft capital uh, in order to take fewer shots and swings at difference makers and impact players. And you often see that when you consider who the players are in, the, in a quarterback realm who go on to have success versus those who struggle, having a strong supporting cast, even if it's a young supporting cast, a strong supporting cast around you is important. Players that go to number one overall picks and ex or to pick teams and expecting them to put the whole team on their back and turn the whole thing around, like that's like a, a once every 
five years type of prospect. Generational guys. If you're expecting whoever Miami drafts at five or three or one to be a generational quarterback, the expectations are too high. So to hear Mark Dominic suggest that uh, the Dolphins, quote, probably will draft Tua and that they should be able uh, to stay put at five and secure their man, that's good. We should all be excited about that development should it see its way all the way through into Thursday night. And listen, if Miami jumps up to three and they give up 70 and a two next year, like nobody's going to be mad. It's when you're giving up 26 and 56 and a two and 20, 21 to move up two spots. And it's like, wow, it's it. That's a heavy toll to take in a deep draft class. Another first round pick and a second round pick would be, a hard pill to swallow. And the Dolphins, it does not seem, have the desperation because they like more than one quarterback. So the Dolphins are in a good spot, and I don't think they're going to let this last-minute flurry of rumors surrounding number three in Detroit uh, prompt them to do anything hasty, which is good. That's good news for us as Dolphins fans as we wait for the Dolphins uh, to try and make the most of this rebuild situation and really get this thing turned around. Today on the show, what I do want to talk about, I would like to talk about uh, some of my favorite late-round sleepers for the Miami Dolphins. And we're going to go position by position, and I'm going to talk about who stands out to me and why. At the quarterback position, mm, my late-round sleeper might be classified as Josh Rosen. I'm not thrilled at the prospect of Miami double-dipping, I would get if they dipped. We explored what it would look like if they double-dipped. But if you're going to double-dip, you're effectively punting on Josh Rosen altogether. And Miami's best opportunity to maximize the return on investment for Josh Rosen at this point is not to punt after one year, stash him, develop him, hide him for a little bit, hope he performs well in the preseason in the next two years, and then you can have a conversation about moving him. That would be my preferred plan for Josh Rosen. If I did have to point to a toolsy guy in the late rounds, Anthony Gordon from Washington State, who's got a super live arm, kind of cut from the same cloth as Gardner Minshew. Uh, is a name worth mentioning? Cole McDonald from Hawaii. Uh, but if you thought Josh Rosen's processing skills were bad, Cole McDonald runs a run and shoot at, in Hawaii, and I think that's a total rebuild from the ground up. At running back, however, if the Dolphins did want to double dip at running back, oh, we got some candidates to work with here. Typical names associated with the Dolphins, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Occasionally, Jonathan Taylor. I think he's probably a little too one-dimensional. I think Miami's going to want a guy who's more of an impact in the passing game and, and laterally than what you get with Jonathan Taylor. So you get down here a little bit deeper. Darrington Evans from App State. I've got a fourth-round grade on. He's a slasher, one-cut style, get north. Uh, pretty lean build, but he's really, really effective with his cut when he decides it's time to stick his foot in the ground. I'd also mention Michael Warren from Cincinnati. Uh, he's another guy I've got a fourth-round grade on. He reminds me a little bit of Devin Singletary, who went to Buffalo and had a great rookie season. I think he rushed for over 750 yards for the Bills last year. 
not super explosive in long spaces, but he's really good contact balance, takes contact well. The last name I would throw out as a, a day three sleeper for the Dolphins at the running back position would be James Robinson. James Robinson, if you're not familiar, is a 220-something pound dense back from Illinois State. He's got some tread on his tires, so he's probably going to be around later as a small school guy with a lot of wear and tear. But he's really explosive, not in long speed, not when you get him in foot races and it's time to like get into a 50-yard sprint to the end zone, but his short spaces, he almost reminds me of uh, Isaiah Crowell who went to Cleveland for a little while. Uh, Crowell was a former Alabama player who ended up having some issues and and transferring to a a smaller school level of competition, dropped down a level of competition, and put some really good tape together and ended up latching on in Cleveland for a while. He runs angry. And he impressed. He was down at the Shrine Bowl this past year. And I actually, excuse me, I have a fifth-round grade on James Washington, but he's my... 141st rated player, which ironically is a pick that the Dolphins own, just saying, would probably be a little too early. We'd like to get him a little later in the fifth round there. Uh, But he is a player who can get downhill. He can challenge tacklers. And that's what Miami needs. Miami needs backs who are willing to drop their head, get physical with guys, one cut and go, not get too cute. You know, that was a lot of the problem that we had with Kenyon Drake for so long is Drake was really inconsistent when deciding when to hit holes versus when to look, look to bounce. JHI too much time getting cute in the backfield. The dolphins need guys who are going to get downhill in this new Changeli style offense with road graders up front on the offensive line. James Robinson, not super effective in the past game. But if you want like a late round pick who can be a backup to what Jordan Howard, what the role is that Jordan Howard's going to fill, James Robinson is a guy that I would roll the dice on. I'd take a shot on. We get to the wide receiver position. We've talked about the big three on this show. The only reason I'm taking a wide receiver early for if I'm the Dolphins, if one of CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs falls to the Dolphins at 18. You get into day three, fourth round and later. I would point to a name like Quintez Cephas from Michigan, who is a name that's been mentioned on this show before. Good route runner, really good contested catch ability, strong hands, not great long speed. That's okay. I think he's an outside guy, but he can be a big slot. James Prochet from SMU. It's a guy I've got a fifth-round grade on. He's the biggest little man in this year's receiver class. And what I mean by that is his ability to make plays on the football, play through contact, play around bodies, and greet the football first is really impressive for a guy that's not overly big or imposing. I'd shout out Benjamin Victor from Ohio State. Long, lean, Ohio State kids. Any Ohio State wide receiver at this point in the game, uh, courtesy of one Brian Hartline and the work that he's doing with the Buckeyes, Excellent job getting these guys ready for the NFL. And Victor is a guy who isn't super explosive, but I like a lot of what he's able to bring to the table as far as his length and plucking the ball away from his body, and he moves smooth, and he's tall, big catch radius. There's some stuff to work with there. 
Devin Duvernay from uh, Texas, if you're looking for a speedy slot guy, this is a guy who uh, has a former track background, so you know he's got the juice, and he definitely puts it to good use. Um, I'd also mention Omar Bayless from Arkansas State. He doesn't really stand out in any one physical capacity, but he's a really smart football player, and uh, he's made a lot of big plays super productive. So if Miami wants to look for guys who could potentially be special teams guys and depth guys, they can push the Isaiah Fords on the roster. Omar Bayless would be a name that I would shout out in the middle uh, of day three as well. Lots of good options in this wide receiver class. I have uh, 27 receivers that are fifth round or better. Of those 27, I've got 11 of them that are fourth and fifth. So there's a sweet spot here. We heard Mel Kuyper earlier this year talk about how there could be 30 receivers drafted in the top 100 picks. That is mathematically impossible, by the way. But you could see 15. You could see half of that. And then the other half are guys that you know would be deserving in a lot of years to get consideration towards the end of the top 100 that are going to be there late. So the, the wide receiver spot would be a spot, especially with how many picks the Dolphins have on day three that I would peg as a position that is likely for the team uh, to potentially swing the bat and try and try and secure some wide receiver talent on day three of this year's draft. As far as tight ends go, this is not the year to look for tight ends. <laughs> I got to be honest. Uh, we've had some bad tight end classes come through over the course of the past couple of years. This is the first one that I did not have a single tight end receive a first or second round grade. Adam Troutman from Dayton is my top tight end in this year's class. He's my 69th overall rated player. He's got a fifth round grade. You can ask around. You might get Bryson Hopkins from Purdue, Cole Komet from Notre Dame. Those are the likely candidates for tight end one. I don't think anybody's going to be falling over themselves to draft any one of these guys in the top 50. Dolphins with a sparing need at the position anyway. We're not going to waste our breath. We're going to move right on down the line. We're going to get an offensive tackles because I think there's some good sleepers available to Miami. And this will be a position that the Dolphins double dip on. Assuming that the, the popular names go in round one, the, the Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Mekhi Becton, Andrew Thomas, Josh Jones... Ezra Cleveland may move up into that group. Austin Jackson may move up into that group. Isaiah Wilson may move up into that group. Who else outside of that will be there starting fourth round or later? I really like Charlie Heck from North Carolina. Former soccer player, which is interesting. He was a goalie. So let's let's not get the wrong body image on Charlie Heck. This dude's huge. He's 6'7", over 300 pounds. He's got great length. I think he's got some tools to work with. Uh, you saw him at the in the All-Star circuit, and he was a little uh, disjointed as far as, like, it's like almost a puppy with the legs that are too long, right? It's like he didn't hadn't mastered his body control yet. But you watch him in games, and he, he does a really nice job because he's mobile and he's long. He stays sticky on guys. I think Alex Taylor from South Carolina State. I've got a fifth-round grade on this guy. This is another really good option for the Dolphins to get some weight room strength on. Think of kind of the roll on the dice that you would take with Julian Davenport, who Houston traded to Miami as part of the Laramie Tunsil deal. 
but you actually give this guy a couple years instead of forcing him into action quickly. You let him develop in the weight room. Cameron Clark is the other one for me that I would love the Dolphins to go out and get from Charlotte. Another small school type kid. I got a sixth round grade on him, but he's really well built. He's long. He got, if you have that requisite, NFL teams are going to take a shot on you. It's a question of if you're going to get overdrafted based on your tools or not. And that's what we saw the Houston Texans do in the first round of last year's draft when they drafted Titus Howard. And then lo and behold, six months later, traded two first round picks and a second round pick for Laramie Tunsil so they could actually get a guy who could actually play left tackle early on instead of the guy they drafted in the first round of the same year's NFL draft. But that's none of our business, right? None doesn't really matter. Interior offensive linemen, sleepers, late round guys. We've talked a lot about how uh, I think the the early options in this year's class for the offensive lineman is sparing. I really like Michael and Wenyu from Michigan. This is like a three hundred fifty plus plus pound human being, big dude. John Simpson from Clemson. I don't think he's great in lateral situations, but you play him forward. Dude can move, and he can move you off your spot. Tyree Phillips from Mississippi State is another one. The big theme with all these guys is these are big, powerful road graders, big blocking radius, big gravitational pull as blockers, which is a new phrase for me this year that I really like. Uh, And it makes sense, right? If you enter into a guy's general vicinity, if he can get his hand on you, and then he can swallow you up and, and maintain that fit, then great then it doesn't really matter if you can't flow sideways and take up a bunch of space. One more I would call out on the offensive line. It's another really big-bodied guy, Solomon Kindly from Georgia. Apparently, he played through this year through some injury issues, and it really showed up on his tape. Uh, So if they're comfortable with the medicals or they want to take a shot late, he may be a guy who outperforms his draft stock because he played all of this past year hurt. Moving to the defensive side of the football. Edge defenders. We've talked a lot about, we, we built a big board. You go back and listen throughout this series. Uh, we, we did build a big board for edge defenders, and a name that was on that list that might be around a little later is Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame. I think he makes a lot of sense. There's a kid right in the Dolphins' backyard, Jonathan Garvin would be a name I would star. This guy might actually get overdrafted but if he does he's the one that like I would overdraft this guy based on his finished product versus what he can become he's a really great build shows some good flexibility he's long why does length matter it's a question I get a lot it's all about striking first contact or dictating first contact you know you don't even have to put your hands on guys but if you can uh, show your hands and force them to to attack you, and then you strip their hands down, the longer you are, the more margin for error you have, the earlier you can influence those blockers. Uh, Derek Tuska from North Dakota State, another small school kid, uh, super high motor. I think the Dolphins will love him for the effort that he puts on the field. Uh, This is an outside pass rush guy. I don't think he's a guy who would thrive in a hybrid linebacker role, but Rush him off the weak side, ask him to bend the corner. There's some stuff to work with there. So Jonathan Garvin would be like my strong side end hybrid. You know, put him behind Shaq Lawson, let him learn. Derek Tuska would be the weak side guy if I was looking for a day three sleeper. 
Interior defensive line, uh, we're looking for nose tackles here. Let's be honest. If the Dolphins don't get Devon Hamilton from Ohio State uh, on day two, which would be a great value, and I, I would love the fit. But if it doesn't materialize that way, you're looking at Lecky Foto from Utah if he's there. Uh, I don't think he'll make it to 141, so you start getting into, okay, who are your bargain bin versions of that? Uh, John Penasini from Utah. Uh, he played next to Foto. He's another really strong anchored guy, I think makes some sense. Uh, Carlos Davis from Nebraska is a low-value guy. He's he's pretty one-dimensional as a player, but the dude ran like 4-7-something at like 310 at the Combine. So he's probably going to get some attention uh, for the the burst and athleticism that he has, but he's he's a, a one-gap or a, an A-gap defender only, in my opinion. Bravian Roy from Baylor. Uh, is another name to watch. This is, uh, he's built like, what was the Baylor kid from a couple years ago? Oh, uh, Andrew Billings. He's not as explosive or as athletic as what Billings was billed as. I guess there's a joke in there somewhere. Billings build. Um, moving on. <laughs> Benito Jones would be the last one that I would call out. Uh, he, he, these, we are strictly speaking, looking for plugs, two down plugs, middle of the defense, free up Devon Godchild to play a B gap role. That's that, that would be an area of the defense that I am still looking to upgrade along with the free safety spot. The linebacker group is interesting. Uh, it seems like a lot of the sleepers have gotten some heat as of late and are no longer sleepers. Uh, Logan Wilson from Wyoming being one really good three-down player. I really still like Joe Bocci from Michigan State. He missed the end of the year with a, a drug suspension. Had a really good showing at the NFL Combine. Uh, Blue-collar, you know, good run defender, knows for the football even though he's not the most athletic dude in space. Uh, if Bocci's there in the fifth round, I'm jumping all over it, even though it's not a huge pressing need. You just get good football players, worry about the rest later. Uh, Tanner Muse for his athleticism. He played safety at Clemson. I think he compares favorably to uh, like a dynamic version of Nate Gary, who played in Nebraska as a safety and transferred to Will Linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles and has started there for a bit. Uh, not a long-term answer, but a guy that definitely with his athleticism would make a lot of sense for the Dolphins. Uh, in the secondary, cornerbacks, I scouted 38 corners this year, bless me. It's a lot of corners. And uh, a lot of them did well. I think I've got 34 guys with draftable grades out of this group. Sleepers for Miami, I would point to Bo Pete Keys. Uh, Bo Pete is a nickname. Uh, but Bo Pete Keys from Tulane is... One that stood out to me for nice playmaking ability, uh, good trigger, good quickness. Kendall Vildor from Georgia Southern is another small school kid. Uh, really toolsy, good size, good twitch, great length. Uh, he's got good uh, ability to interrupt throws with his uh, wingspan. He's just a little rough around the edges, but they, he got put through the, the ringer this year with some of the competition that he went against. The, I believe Georgia Southern played against LSU. And Minnesota this year. And if you're not familiar, LSU obviously with 
Justin Jefferson is a potential first-round pick. Jamar Chase, who's going to be a home-run slam-dunk first-round pick in next year's draft. And then Minnesota has Tyler Johnson, who's a potential mid-round guy this year, who's falling a little bit because of some off-the-field questions and concerns. And uh, they have another receiver next year who's going to be even better, uh, another big-bodied guy. So he got a little bit of trial by fire. Kendall Vildor from Georgia Southern. Remember that name. Would not be surprised to see the Dolphins go that way and try and develop him as a, a press man corner for the outside. And then uh, they, they've got to take advantage of, of the depth that they now have with the addition of Byron Jones and getting Xavier Howard back. And let's get some differentiation between the guys who are playing inside and the guys who are playing outside. Obviously, it's appealing to have guys that can do them all. But getting specialists for obvious passing situations and week-to-week matchup situations. I'd like to see them have, like, defined nickel guys or defined guys that can shadow a number one receiver or a tight end if you're talking safeties. And talking about safeties, that's where we're going to end today. A couple sleeper safeties for everybody. Levanta Taylor from Florida State is the first one, and the reason why I say that is because according to the Giraffe Network's Jordan Reed, Uh, The Dolphins have recently had a FaceTime interview with Levanta Taylor. Levanta is a guy who had experience at corner, has experience at safety, uh, was a big-time prospect his sophomore year, uh, played with an injured back in 2018, prompted him to come back for a senior season. Uh, This past year, never really recaptured and rekindled his, uh, his draft stock. Cameron Curl from Arkansas State reminds me a lot of Walt Aikens coming out. So... Having lost Walt Aikens, obviously, if they're going to want some special teams production um, and if they want to take a low-risk chance at getting a guy that can fill a lot of those same reps, Cameron Curl from Arkansas State is a name to know. Jalen Hawkins from California got a fourth-round grade on. He's um, he's a big hitter. Uh, he's a little undisciplined with his hitting from time to time. But the fact that he played for Coach Alexander, who's now – in Miami's defensive coaching room, I think lends itself well to him potentially being a guy that the Dolphins target on day three of this year's NFL draft as well. And uh, I, I like, between him and Ashton Davis, they were asked to do a lot of different things on the back end of California. They played a pretty aggressive defense. So I think Hawkins would be a name that I would star as like, everybody talks about Ashton Davis and his fit for the Dolphins, and rightfully so, because I think it's a sensible fit. But he's not the only Cal safety. Jalen Hawkins being the other one that I would love to see the Dolphins go out and get. Hope you guys enjoyed this deep dive. We are one week away from the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, we're getting down to it, the nitty-gritty. I've finalized all my film evaluations for prospects for the draftnetwork.com. Uh, we're continuing to, to plug away. We're going to do some big board stuff here the rest of the week. Talk about some of these other positions. Talk about the quarterback position with big board. I'm excited for that one. I'm sure you guys will not necessarily love hearing that that Justin Herbert is a player that I think could be a competent starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins based on uh, the, the Twitter reaction anytime the name comes up. But we're going to go into it. We're going to talk about how they would all fit. We're going to try and rank them as best as we possibly can. Lots to look forward to. NFL Draft kicks off next Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe. Come back and see us again tomorrow and Friday. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Dolphins.